Well, hello. Welcome to Midlife State of Mind, the show for that middle section of your life, the one that comes after you've raised yourself, your kids, and the rim on your rose-colored glasses. I'm your host, Erin Beadle. And I'm your host, Alicia Jessness, and we're so excited for you to join us as we talk about all the weird and wonderful ways things change as you navigate midlife, the state of mind, that is. On the list, so I don't know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> okay. All right, everybody. So welcome back to Midlife State of Mind. We are... Finishing up season two, I am super excited to be in this recording session. It's been a few weeks, and we have missed you guys. Definitely. We we hate when we have to take a week off. We're like, we don't want to leave them hanging, but sometimes life has, you know, little bumps, and you have to, like, roll with them, right? That's true. I think that's that's the whole kind of, um, like, premise of midlife is you learn, like, when you can, like, it's all about adapting, I think. It Don't is. Think? I think by this point we have gotten, we, we've been through so many situations where you're forced to adapt because you think things are supposed to be a certain yes. way. Expectations you, that yeah. you place on yourself. Yeah. You think your life is going to turn out a certain way or you think your kids are going to turn out a certain way or you think your husband's going to turn out a certain way mm. or, <laughs> you know, you have to adapt. Or yourself. You think yourself. Yeah. 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 Big time So what's yourself. been going on lately? Uh, let's see. So I am re-entering the workforce after a minute. So that has been an interesting journey interviewing. Um, I think in your twenties, it's almost kind of fun. Yeah. In your thirties. That's probably like dating. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. In your thirties, it's, it's a necessity. You know, you got to do what you got to do to, to continue to move up the corporate ladder or the entrepreneurial ladder, whichever one you're Mm -hmm. on. And then, but I think over 40, it's a completely different experience. It really is. Yeah. Uh, That, that's what I've, that's what I've learned in the last few weeks for sure. I think it is probably very similar to dating. Like in your twenties, dating's fun. You're looking forward to it. And then if you're doing it in your thirties, it's more maybe out of necessity because you're like, I want to find my person and have a baby and have a family. And then in your forties, you're like, this this sucks right like I I have to pay bills and yeah. you know it's but so yeah but it's, it's been it's been going well for you it's been going well it's interesting I have one opportunity I'm super excited about one that I was semi-excited about that didn't quite work out and then I've interviewed for some other things too that um I mean you know we'll see we'll see what happens what's been going on with you not much just kind of um let me what do you mean not much well aren't you aren't you decluttering and like the biggest okay, way yes, that's okay, true okay. all right yeah I've blocked that from my um <laughs> from my mind I bet you we have. are downsizing um because I think if you've listened to previous ep- episodes you know that I'm a newly empty nester well it's been almost a year which I was just that's saying that, pretty new. that that freshman year of college mm-hmm. it, it, I mean you know like it's like with your kids when they're when you're pregnant it's like you know you count it by weeks and then when they're born you count it by weeks and then, you know, when they become months and then they become years. Yeah. And then before you know it, it's like it's flying by. But um, and so we put an offer on a townhome. It's been accepted. We're under contract. Um, we're moving just like a town over. Right. Um, like right. if you're familiar with the Atlanta area, you know, there's lots of suburbs that are like, but we all say we're from Atlanta. Right. Um, just because if you try to say 
up from Kennesaw, people are like, where? Nobody knows where um, Right. And, um, unless they have a kid that goes to Kennesaw State. Yes. Or unless they know mm-hmm. about Kennesaw has a law on the books that I thought was, because Kennesaw is a Civil War town. Um, we've lived there now 19 years. Mm-hmm. No, we've lived there for, I'm sorry, for 24 years in Kennesaw. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we first moved, we heard about this law that if you lived in Kennesaw, um, you had to own a gun. So I'm like, surely that's what? from the Civil War era, right? It's actually been, there's been whole magazine, like Rolling Stone, I think even did a whole that is wild. magazine, you know, that is um, episode or whatever, you know, yeah. article on Kennesaw. Um, so what's funny is when we have traveled um, like overseas in Europe mm-hmm. and when people like, you know, you meet people from other countries, like, oh, we're, you know, we're from, oh, we're from Did Atlanta, Georgia. This law? Several people knew about it. Get so out. I thought it was an old law. No, it's from like 1994, 1992. I, I don't Okay. All right. We have to side note that. And in a future episode, like you've got to <laughs> well, give us some, you're the research queen. You've got to give yes. us some history on that. I would really like to know about that, especially like it's such a hot topic right now. Uh, yes, I with would, gun control. Yeah. yeah. I would really like to know with the history. How did that get passed? Who? And when I say it, it, it's a law, like, I mean, obviously they don't enforce it because right. we don't own guns. Um, but don't come break in our house because we do have two attack dogs. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> who needs a gun when you have two attack dogs? Right. Um, but yeah, it's really it's it's crazy. Um, the whole idea behind it. Yeah, we can we can table it and talk about it another time. Um, but that's pretty interesting. It, it's so strange. But anyhow, so we're just moving one town over back to our. You know, we're downsizing. And when when she says downsizing, y'all yeah. look. I, I hope she doesn't mind me calling her out. Yeah. But she lives in a house that is. Uh, it has to be like eight thousand square feet. It's, <laughs> it's enormous. Not that big, it's but it's enormous. It's like it's big. It's way too big for two what people. Is it, eight bedrooms. No, it's Wait, there's five upstairs, one. One in the basement. So it's only six bedrooms. No, there's two in the basement. Wow. You count that gym room plus the mother-in-law suite on the main floor. That's eight. No, that's the fifth bedroom. That's the fifth one. There's four upstairs. There's one on the main two. level and then in the basement. No, maybe. there's five, two then no. the, the party yes my house room. goes on and on you just keep walking now no but now I think I'm crazy okay wait there's the two so there's four upstairs okay. master the one with the single bathroom and then the Jack and Jill there's a media room upstairs okay well that's but like it's a not a bedroom. bedroom because it doesn't have a closet so well I'm a true. realtor I know what you can call a bedroom all right and then downstairs we have a full basement um the point is it's enormous and they're moving into a three-bedroom condo y'all yeah. it is a Town, large yeah, townhouse home, but it is a large downsize very so like last weekend I cleaned out um I mean I've just been doing a little bit at a time but I took 13 bags of clothes to goodwill of my own like yeah. and then you still can't because I'm trying to make my closet look really pretty you know for pictures yeah. and because I mean it was stuffed but and so I closet was enormous y'all it's big enough to hold a twin bed yeah it has a bedroom in it um it has a that is a maybe that's the eighth bedroom <laughs> I don't know. there's a lot of bedrooms Wait, well so it but was it's a it beautiful was, home and you had you know lots a, of children you had a yes. gaggle of children that yeah. you raised and you know and it was it's the per, it was the perfect home, perfect family home yeah. it was you know we've lived there 19 over 19 years now um which you collect a lot of shit you do in 19 years when you don't move. You we do. moved a lot up until 
we moved to this house. Like we, cause we lived in apartments when Jeff was in college, when mm-hmm. I was in college, you know, we, yeah. um, just, but then you found the perfect home and that's yes. where you stayed. And we had a house that we moved from in Kennesaw that was smaller when we had our third kid, we moved into it. So yeah, so I've been downsizing. I've been taking, you know, stuff. I've just like, I'm like letting go of a lot. Like talk about let it go, let it go. <laughs> I've <laughs> never right. seen the movie. So speaking of letting go, we are going to talk today. We're continuing our series in um, season two about health over 40. Mm-hmm. And so what we are letting go of today is diet culture. That's what our episode is going to be about today. Um, We are going to talk about some statistics. We're going to talk about um, weight loss journeys. We're going to talk about... And our own, like, take on... Going gluten-free, what you all heard my story about, you know, going low FODMAP. We're going to, you know, we we want you to weigh in. Um, So give us a little bit of intro to this episode. Yes. So diet culture, let me just tell you all, I was... Absolutely floored. Well, first off, I need to say, um, like, I've, uh, you know, I I have been fortunate or unfortunate, whatever, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't necessarily know that it's fortunate that I've never, like, had an issue with weight. I've always been able to, like, just, you know, stay at a certain weight until, like, perimenopause and then I gained 30 pounds and then I've lost it and y'all heard about that in the episode on my thyroid and when I went gluten-free and the weight started coming off and um but some of that was just balancing my hormones sure Um, and and we are going to have a guest on a a future episode about food as fuel and medicine and how it affects you um, hormonally that's coming next week um so um but I have never actually done like a diet per se. Right. I've always just tried it. When I was diagnosed with MS mm-hmm. in 2000, that's when I kind of overhauled my whole like, you know, cause I was 30. So I never had to watch what I ate. Right. Um, I've always been fortunate. Like, I mean, I used to eat like tons of crap, never had to watch what I ate. Right. Um, right. But I overhauled my whole diet in the sense of when I say the word diet for me, meaning like how I ate, right. which was just like tried to prepare everything fresh, didn't use a lot of, pa- stopped using any kind of boxed, you know, stuff. It's like, which in our conversation about that is kind of what prompted this episode, just really thinking about the culture out there and the, the it's a huge, uh, yeah, the unavailability of healthy food versus, you know, box and processed food and the pricing and we're oh, in yeah. a period of superinflation. And we just kind of started to talk about like, you know, it's, it's, it's becoming even more difficult. It's not difficult in that cooking healthy food is harder or more time consuming, but it is more expensive. And Mm -hmm. with not as accessible, it's not as accessible. And with all the messages that we receive and social media, um, you know, television, news media, you know, radio, it's, it's really hard to turn on any form of media and not see something related to diet culture. Yes. Well, so when Alicia and I were talking about this, I asked her to guess the diet culture, like the, what the, um, what do you, I want to call total, it? Total, the, 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 total, the like, value. yeah, the value or whatever. I don't know what you call it. Cause it's, so I guess 2 billion. Yeah. And I was like, Oh girl, <laughs> I was like, you two, guys, two, it's a 71 billion dollar industry 
So that means seventy-one billion, not million. Seventy-one billion dollars yes. are being spent out there advertising to mostly women. Yes, and that's um, what I want to talk about: is that women are unfairly targeted. Um, we, you know, like we all know um, that you know, and I think some of it is like just women are the way we're made up. We're just harder on ourselves because you know that old like kind of like adage that men will be 10 pounds overweight and they'll look at themselves in the mirror and they'll be like, man, I'm hot. Women are 10 pounds overweight. And they're like, oh my gosh, I'm so fat. And we just pick ourselves apart. I'm totally guilty of it. And Um, that is, that's what, that is what created diet culture is it's, you know, it's these unrealistic images. Um, Mm -hmm. it's, uh, you know, everywhere you look, we're told to be smaller. Mm -hmm. What, Diet culture is a belief system. I'm going to read you this quote that, um, well, it's not a quote, but it's a compilation of like my reading, but Mm -hmm. diet culture is a belief system that values thinness, weight loss, food restriction, compulsive exercise, and equates all of these things with health and worth. Mm -hmm. And and there's a, that's a total misconception about health. Um, so guess what the failure rate is of so, and think about, like, household names. You can name how many diets. Noom. You can name Planet. Weight Watchers. Yeah, Weight Watchers. Um, keto. Um, Adkins. Pa- paleo. Mediterranean. Yes. I mean, it's <laughs> like we're inundated with, like, oh, you can use this app, MyFitnessPal, mm-hmm. or, um, you know, all the different apps that are out there yeah. for you tracking your calories and yeah. your, you know, what you eat. And, um and it's crazy. Your I mean, they're macros. household names. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I didn't like, even know what a macro was until about five years yeah. ago. But if you said Noom, you're yeah. going to know like, oh, and I'm not d- dissing any of, because sometimes people need accountability to like stay sure. on track. I mean, there's Weight like, loss programs are wonderful. Having support in your weight loss journey is wonderful. Having support in just, if you are living an unhealthy lifestyle and you want to change that lifestyle to get healthier, that's wonderful. No disrespect or, um, you know, shade on any of those programs. What we're talking about here is the culture. Right. Inside inside a lot of, I mean, it's not. It's everywhere. It's in all forms of media. Mm -hmm. Every, you usually see. And I mean, I do have to say that a lot of companies like Dove, you know, some of them are getting better at including all size all body sizes in ads, but usually it's like thin, white, you know, gorgeous women to perfect skin, perfect hair, you know, which I mean, doesn't, isn't, that's that's a yeah. perfect like in whose eyes okay but it's everywhere it's in and media they don't the workplace really look like that the doctor's office the grocery store you mm-hmm. go to the grocery store every ad you know on the front of magazines is kind of that you know it's a very huge um problem even in yoga because even yeah. where yoga is all about like um connecting with yourself with your you know your true self which is like not this physical body if you look at like a yoga journal who's on there usually is mm-hmm. and I have to say they've made strides too but it's usually but it has typically 90% of the time it's a white thin you know right very bendy woman who is like in some you know maybe like yoga pose that like most people can't do yoga is right. not about you know putting yourself into pretzel shapes it's about connecting what's my favorite quote um from the yoga world it is uh 
and I can't remember who said it. So if you're in our network and this is you, then please take credit on our socials. Um, you can find us on all socials at Midlife State of Mind Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and you can email us at Midlife State of Mind Podcast at gmail.com. But the quote goes something like, yoga is the acceptance of who you've allowed your body to become in life. I've never heard that one. Yeah, and I, I, I find that very interesting because it challenges the belief system that it's about becoming bendy, flexible. It's, it's about accepting your body where it is. Right. Well, it is about honoring mm-hmm. your body at this moment. Um, well, yoga is just like, I think it's just so wonderful. Um, cause those of you that know, I'm a yoga teacher and have been for a long time and, um, did a yoga therapy program, worked with private clients. Um, and it is, it's less about like the poses. We use the poses just as a way to focus our mind and our thoughts and like give us that it slows you down because when you're like going into the pose, you can't be thinking about all the other things that are going on. Um, but I mean, historically yoga 3000, 5,000 years ago when it was kind of like, you know, invented, if you will, was more about like the poses were used to like get your body ready to sit for meditation, like how to get like, I didn't even know that. Yeah. It's more about like preparation because it was, it was mainly men. Mm -hmm. They, and ascetics who like, they, they weren't householders typically. So they didn't Mm -hmm. have a wife and children. And it was more about like rising above, you know, kind of transcending the body. Right. Um, And so you would like, Almost like how when kids go to recess and then they can come back in and focus, right? Absolutely. So that's really what it was so that then they could sit in meditation and they could transcend the body and kind of like, you know, not be concerned with the, with the physical, with the, like the gross, you know, they would be concerned with more of the, the subtle body. Um, so we're going to have to do a whole bit episode on that. Yeah. Yoga is amazing. Um, okay. So we did say Historically, the diet culture targets girls and women. It starts young. So kids. Young. I mean, it's really sad. And I want to say, like, little side note when I said I've never been on a diet. And I'm going to tell you, moms, you are the most important person if you have a daughter in your daughter's life. You And, and, and here's why I think I've never had any body issues. I mean, I have the typical... I have the minor ones where I'm just like, oh, God, look at that. I, uh, you know, like, but I've never had any, like, pathological body issues. Sure. And I'll tell you why. I never even knew, like, that people restricted calories. I never even knew that a diet was a thing growing up. My mom right. never made a single comment about my body. Right. Never said, you can't eat that. And I have friends who have told me their mothers have, like, restricted their food when they were, like, a chubby 100%. little kid or, yeah. or made comments about, oh, you don't want to wear that or you. Well, he, here's what I'll say about that is it's a really fine line because if you have children, okay, we are in an age of body positivity. And I think that we should love our bodies where we are. Um, Mm -hmm. no matter what weight you are, what shape you are, what disabilities you have, what, um, you know, you, what you see as your flaws, you should still 
I think we're in a state of learning to love ourselves where we are in Mm -hmm. general. But we do have to be honest about you didn't experience that growing up and your mother didn't experience that growing up. And but if you come from a family that does have health issues, that does have a history of obesity and patterns start to form or you you, as the mom as the mom being the most important person in your children's life you do have to be very careful about how you regulate and what you say but it, it it's a again it's a fine line because isn't it irresponsible to then raise children who don't have a healthy understanding of what healthy eating is okay but see that's what the caveat was I was going to say is that we didn't have a lot of junk food yeah but it wasn't because of like size or you don't want to eat this because it's unhealthy, you know, because it'll make you fat. It was too much sugar is just not good for you. It predisposes right. you to diabetes. Right. Or so we would get on a Friday night, we would, my, you know, dad would take us, like we would always have my mom and dad let us have friends spend the night all the time. We would get to go to the store and pick out like a soda and a chip, you know, whatever, right. like a bottle, a, a bottle of Coke and like Doritos. And we would have it for that night. It was a treat. It was, right. but it wasn't because my mom was like, you need to diet all week long because she understood the value of healthy eating. Right. Nutrition. Yeah. She looked at it yeah. from a nutritional aspect mm-hmm. of we need to fuel you with good food. So she always had vegetables for us. We had to try everything. We <laughs> Same. Yeah. You know, but it wasn't ever like, don't eat that because it's bad or it'll make you fat. Like I never even heard the word fat, you know. It's just, these are not healthy choices. And yeah, I think well, that's and you part eat of things th- in moderation. Like it was like my right. mom would make peanut butter chocolate chip cookies and we could have two. Right. So it was, it was like never any, like, you can't eat this because it's not healthy. It would be like everything in moderation. Right. Right. Um, and I think that's a big part of the, the diet culture scene. It's just that. And I think it's modeling. We live, we, oh, 100% modeling. We live in a culture. We live in a country that has a culture that everything, we strive to do things in excess because it's our right. Mm-hmm. Because it's our, and I think that that is what created diet culture. We were, we were in a situation of the Great Depression where food was scarce. Mm-hmm. And then we came into a period where food was not scarce anymore. And we could have as much as we want of any kind that we wanted, any time that we wanted as families. Mm-hmm. Um, and that created a pretty big problem. And... I think that in the beginning, um, you know, suggesting that people eat healthier, that people learn or educate themselves about portion control, that people become more aware of like caloric value in a food, um, healthy caloric value versus junk caloric value. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there was some good intent, but then just like any other industry yeah the pendulum yeah people realized hey this can be something that we can really capitalize on Mm -hmm. and the pendulum just swung completely right the more like um unhealthy well and like it's like yeah viewed as like food is like these are bad foods and these are good foods yeah but you know it's interesting because even thinking back like hundreds of years ago Mm -hmm. um like the wealthy people were the ones that were heavy. 
because that was a sign of wealth. Yep, absolutely. And the skinny people were like looked at as like they're poor because they obviously can't afford enough food. I mean, it was kind of the same thing with tans. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like if you because Coco Chanel, she like created a she created a like a huge like um, kerfuffle, if you will, because she got a tan. Yep. Because if you had like very fair skin, you were considered you You'd, were wealthy. You didn't have to work outside. You did in the not fields. have to work outside. Yeah. That's right. So the same thing, kind of like with body size. You know, when you went through the Renaissance, you know, the whole like um, the Botticelli. You know, the women that were like ample bosomed, and it was seen. It was like adored because it's like, oh, those the, and those women were like kept women almost. And we're coming back into that. Thank God. <laughs> well, I just think that people, um, people like. Body size, it, it should be less about body size and more about health. And like, and if your right. numbers are good and moving your body, that was the other thing as a kid, we were just not allowed to sit around. Well, we, there weren't video games in right. the seventies, <laughs> but look, you go outside, you come home yeah. and the streetlights come on and that's it. You play outside, you play outside. Yes. And my kids, so we never had a discussion about like, you know, like, as far as like body size, mm-hmm. but just, and I have boys, so I think it's way easier for it boys. It is different. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'll 100%. But I was just like, they could have a treat every day, but it was just a, like a portion controlled treat. It's like, right. you, you can know, have you can have one, two Oreos or, or whatever, whatever, you yeah. know? Um, and I mean, I tried to always make stuff, you know, so that I could control like sugar and just the processedness. But, um, but again, I'm going to jump in there. It's hard when you have children that, um, I mean, I, I have some friends who have kids who are very picky eaters and, you know, I don't know if this is a nature or nurture thing, um, but who just, there's only a small variety of foods that they will eat. And I think a lot of times parents, um, it's really hard when you have a child that just will not eat healthy food mm-hmm. and you don't want to force force I had one like that yeah you just you don't want to force them to eat things that are are literally just bad tasting for them or don't so it's like oh I'll let them eat a cheeseburger or a you know a giant bowl of pasta because they're not going to eat what it's hard it's just such a fine it is and that's a personal like parental decision with what we did with Evan is he always had to eat some Mm because he was he's my middle child very picky had like though but as a six-month-old, when we introduced sweet potatoes, he threw them up three nights in a row till we figured out he has texture. It was a textural kind of thing. Just was not for him. He did not like them. He's always been a picky eater. Mm-hmm. He's much better now. He's twenty-three. But um, but we he had to have some of everything, and he right. had to like eat a bite or two because there is there is science behind that when you know you taste something the first time you don't like it and it takes five times to kind of like acclimate your taste buds to something. Well, yeah, especially at that age when you're introducing new foods, not all kids are going to like all things, but also, you know, it's, yeah. and our change, our, our tastes change and evolve as, as oh, we get older. For sure. Um, well, so, um, I was looking up statistics too. This I thought was kind of sad is that, um, recent statistics have shown that six out of 10 girls and women opt out of daily activities, including socializing, 
due to poor body image. They don't feel good about themselves, so they stay at home or they won't go out with friends or maybe like, you know. Oh, I can attest to that. I have not worn shorts in 25 years. Let me take that back. When I, everybody's heard about this, if you've been following along since the beginning of the show, um, I had a huge weight loss journey where I lost over 100 pounds. And that summer, when I reached that kind of low, um, your lowest, my lowest low weight, weight, like adult weight, mm-hmm, 20 years, um, I wore shorts a couple of times, but there are oftentimes activities like pool parties or, um, I I just have never been comfortable in shorts. Even I remember even I remember as far back as high school not mm-hmm. being comfortable in shorts. And so there were things that I, I either I would skip skip. I would wear pants and be super uncomfortable, or um, I would just skip it skip it all together. Thank God for maxi dresses now, right? I know it's <laughs> my favorite. If you've ever seen me in public, that's probably what I'm wearing. Yeah. But um. But yeah, I I I will 100% testify to being part of that crowd. Now as I get older and I've become much more comfortable with my body image. Um, you know, I would probably wear shorts, um, but I don't. The reason I don't wear shorts now is more the chub rub, just because that's so uncomfortable. And I, I have the chub rub. I don't like that, and I, I don't like shorts to it. wear shorts mainly also because of varicose veins. But that's a whole nother yeah. story. <laughs> so I mean, it's a real thing, even not just in you know teenagers and young young women, but you know women our age, we still have body issues, mm-hmm. and oh, that, yeah. you know, I mean, even like I've historically been thin my whole life, but I still have. You know, like I'm never fully satisfied. Sure. As thin as I ever was, you know, but. So this may not be diet culture related, but just like just talking about like image and personal image. And I think it weighs heavily into the diet culture, um, you know, body image. Yeah. you did have plastic surgery. Mm-hmm. So maybe not diet culture, but just that whole body image. Oh, yeah, no. Just like yeah. cha- the, like seeing my drooping eyelids. I was like, Like oh thin gosh. people have, we all have a thing or many things yeah. about our own bodies where we're not necessarily 100% comfortable. You might look at somebody and think, oh, my gosh, that person's beautiful and has beautiful skin. And but you never think that about yourself. I yeah, mean, you know, it's crazy. We're our worst critics. It's awful. Well, um. In, in the U.S., um, that 30 million people now, it's not, it's it's like 90-something percent women mm-hmm. have um, an eating disorder. 30 million. So, like, bulimia, anorexia, um, avoidance or restrictive um, food intake. So, like, you know, they won't eat. Or even, like, exercise-induced um anorexia where they yeah. like will over exercise because they had a cookie the, the night before and right they, like and so in those and so 30 million people in the u.s and they have the highest mental illness mortality rate of any you know group so it's really that kind makes of sense yeah so i mean it's and i mean i do think that there you know i mean the world is rapidly changing you know um, lot, you know, there's so much more acceptance of differences, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you don't have to all be the same. That's what makes the world so amazing. Um, but, um, and this is, I thought this was kind of interesting. You know, my husband was in the military and they always do BMI and they mm-hmm. still do BMI. They do it when my kids yeah. would go to their checkups, BMI. BMI is like the worst indicator of health. I know it's crazy. But in my husband who um, has always been a solidly built man, 
Um, he's very like mm-hmm. stocky muscle. Yeah. He would always, his BMI would be so high in the military, but because his weight was so high for his height, he's mm-hmm. only five, nine. Um, but he had a suit, so they would have to tape test him, which is just where they would check his body fat by, you know, doing, um, not, it was a crude way of doing it, but it's just a method. Yeah. It's just a method. Yeah. You can Google that. And it's <laughs> like, he would be like way under you know like for body fat right but his bmi was super high and it's the the man that created bmi was a mathematician and he said he wasn't a health professional and he was like it should he never thought it should be used as a measure of somebody's health so i had a very recent experience with that to the point that um We've talked about this many times on the show, the fact that Aaron and I will challenge a physician. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I... We're difficult patients. I mean, I don't think it's difficult. I think it's just... We advocate for ourselves. We We advocate for our children. So I took my youngest bonus daughter in for her 15-year-old checkup. And um, they told her that she was... They told her two things that... Yeah, I didn't get confrontational with a physician, but I did have a conversation with her when we got in the car. Um, I did say something about the yellow zone, though. So they told her she was in the yellow zone for weight. Mm-hmm. Um, this, chi- this child, first of all, is almost six feet tall. She's strikingly beautiful. She, I mean, and I would say that at any weight or any, but the point is, the fact that doctors are telling 15-year-old girls that, hey, you need to maybe lose 10 pounds, and that's pretty much what she said, and she had lost 10 pounds since her last doctor's visit. So we had a little chat about that in the car on the way home that, you know, look, just doctors are not always right about everything. Those charts are extremely outdated. You know, of course, we're making healthier choices with our food choices in the house in general anyway, um, since she has moved in with us. Um, But (laughs) it just blew my mind that doctors are still telling young women, hey, your body's not right just the way it is. Mm -hmm. It's not right. Um, And she doesn't have any, like, blood pressure issues or any... um, I mean, and she... Or blood sugar no, or cholesterol. No, or, she's perfectly healthy. And then the instead other Instead of thing, having a conversation like, how, are you moving your body every day just for health? Just to like, right. you know... And they did ask all those questions and then still told her, mm-hmm. you know, you, you might you might need to lose 10 pounds. It just blew my mind. And then the other thing is, you know, we're 30 or 40 years into the research of the damage of soy products and women's Mm -hmm. health and hormone balances or imbalances rather, and all of the damage that soy products can do to your body as a woman. Not that you should never eat soy products or that if you're drinking soy milk, you're making a horrible choice. That's not what I'm saying here, but it is not, do your own research, but we are of the opinion that soy is not necessarily the best choice as a protein substitute. So we don't do a whole lot of whole milk in our house. And I have my own beliefs on that. Um, we can talk about that at, 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 a different, at a different time. But the doctor told her that, um, you know, since we don't do a lot of whole milk, she should drink soy milk. And I just feel like that's irresponsible as a physician as well. well. Doctors get one class on nutrition yeah so they're not um the, the, the I just feel like they're extremely undereducated on what actually is healthy especially for women mm-hmm. and even and she's it's a female physician but she's 
She has to be in her 60s, so definitely old school educated. Well, I was going to say old school, yeah. And, um, yeah, I just felt, it, I just was very disappointed with the whole experience. Well, the, and that was one of the things I found out through the research is that most of the met- health metrics are outdated. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a lot of, it's marketing manipulation. That's um, crazy. It's not really focused on health. It's focused on the, the, the looks. It's focused mm-hmm. on how you look and less on health. Right. Um, and, and that's, I think what people really should be focusing on is how, what I always try to tell my kids when they were younger is to look at how a food makes you feel. And, and I mean, and I've done that with my own self, you know, I know when I eat something that maybe isn't the healthiest choice that my stomach will hurt Yep, because I'm like, Doritos just aren't that good for you, you know, or like. You know, and the experience, I think the older we get, it's like, and it wasn't that satisfying. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like, eh. so it's like looking at how, when you eat something, how does it make you feel? How, how, do, how do you feel the next day? Or mm-hmm. how does it affect your bowels? You know, like if you're able to use the bathroom or not, um, if you're eating just a bunch of processed food, um, when I fuel my body with foods that are as close to the ground as possible, which is what mm-hmm. I try to eat. So it's like the least amount of processing. Um, like I feel great. I feel like just, um, I don't feel weighed down, not in the sense of weight, but in the sense of just like that. You feel like fe- you have more energy, you feel healthier, yeah. your brain, your focus is clear, your thoughts are clear, you know, you're able to accomplish more. I mean, I, I feel the same way. And we are, um, we're going to get into that yes, next I'm- week with um, a wonderful guest. Her name's Katie. She's going to come on and talk all about food as fuel and medicine. Yeah, so she's a holistic nutritionist and it, I'm looking forward to hearing from her. All right, so let, let's do a wrap-up. Is there anything else that you want to share no, from your just, research? Um, I was just... I mean, I knew that diet culture was a huge industry. I mean, because my Facebook is filled with ads for like diets and, um, but, and, and I mean, and I don't even click on a bunch of stuff, so I'm, right. I'm getting them. I mean, I know it's all over. It's like, I have a ton of friends that are it's inescapable. You cannot escape it. And I know social, I mean, you know, just media in general, just, um, not even social media, but just like traditional media, like commercials you know um, billboards it's always a beautiful sexy skinny woman yeah um but to to know that it, like 71 billion dollar industry that has a 95 percent failure rate i'm like okay. so between advertising and people buying the products that is insane yeah. that is absolutely well, and to have such a high failure rate like you would expect it to have a like for that kind of money being poured into that industry you yeah. would think it would have higher success a much rate. higher success rate but it doesn't because most of it isn't real and so right. just in wrapping up our episode today um i think our what did we learn today is that diet culture is a farce it's a farce mm-hmm. um it doesn't mean that programs don't work or that programs don't guide you to you know maybe a healthier lifestyle a healthier eating choices healthier exercise routines but overall you know, there is no shortcut to health. It's all about what you eat, how much you, how frequently you move your body, how well you sleep. Um, yeah, and mental health, like your mindset. How how often are you exercising your, your brain? Yeah, how often are you feeding your spirit? Um, so, you know, ladies, 
love yourself. Mm -hmm. Love yourself where you are exactly as who you are today. Um, It doesn't mean that you can't want to make changes. And it doesn't mean that you have to say, well, this is just, you know, it doesn't mean that you have to like give up or, or just be like, I'm just gonna, you know, like, let myself go or whatever you want. I don't, you know, it's just, but until like allow yourself the grace and the love. I'm a big believer. Um, and then we'll wrap it up is that your body has like a hidden microphone and it's always listening to your thoughts. And so if you constantly are like, I'm fat, I'm fat, your body is going to just continue to like, believe that That's and right. stay that way. And if you just say, you know, I'm going to focus on like, I'm, I have a strong body that it allows me to do this, this, and this, yes, I can do this. Yes. I'm healthy and <laughs> strong. Yeah. Then your body like, is like, oh yes, I am strong. I'm, you know, so we thank you guys for listening. Um, if you want to join in on the conversation, reach out to us on our socials, y'all. Um, and we, we want to invite you to do that. We, uh, we really, the purpose of this show really is to build a community. Um, we hope we are bringing topics to you that you are interested in that are giving you some insight that are helping you live a better life. Um, so we want to call you to take action and join our social groups. You can find us everywhere at midlife state of mind podcast, um, on Facebook, Instagram, and we're going to have a TikTok soon. Um, (laughs) we'll see. We're going to do it. Um, the TikTok. That's right. Um, and you can also just email us directly if you have any ideas or if there are topics you want you want us to talk more about or if you have guest ideas or if you want to be a guest on the show, reach out to us, midlifestateofmindpodcast at gmail.com. And, um, and yeah, then, we want to hear from you. We yeah. want to hear from you. Tell, tell us what's coming next. Yeah, say, stay tuned. Next week we are going to be talking about food as medicine and fuel. Um, we're going to talk to Katie Braswell, who is a holistic nutritionist. And hear her take and how she works with women every day. And um, so we're going to get to learn from her, from her, all her, you know, years of study. So I'm excited for that. I'm super excited about that one too. All right, guys. uh, We love you. Thank you for joining us. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.